everybody. I am Rachel Levy-Lesser. And I'm Stephanie Goldstein, and this is Life's Accessories, a podcast about accessories, clothing, fashion, and the stories behind them. We are two friends who love to accessorize and who remember what we wore on pretty much every meaningful occasion, and that is what we love to talk about. You can follow us on Instagram at Life's Accessories Podcast and also on Facebook. You can also email us at lifesaccessoriespodcast at gmail.com with comments, questions, or accessory suggestions. And if you like what you're listening to, we would love it for you to share this podcast with a friend and rate and review us wherever you get your podcast, as they say. Also, do not forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode in your podcast feed. Today, we are so excited to be talking to fashion designer and president of her label, Sarah Campbell. Sarah grew up in La Jolla, California with four sisters and one brother. That is a big family. And she learned to sew at age six from her sister Meg and began making dresses for dolls. Soon after, Sarah's mother enrolled her in sewing classes and they drove for 45 minutes to Singer's Sewing Center each week. There, her passion was born from making dance recital dresses to quilts for her boyfriends. Every drop of Sarah's babysitting allowance went to purchasing luxury fabrics. I love that. Me too. What did I waste my babysitting money on? Not luxury fabrics. No. No. Sarah Campbell Limited is a 35-year-old Boston-based company specializing in women's apparel. In 2008, the company discontinued their role as a private label manufacturer for major retailers and founded a chain of their own specialty boutiques carrying the Sarah Campbell label. We'll have to ask her about those specialty boutiques because I know that you and I are fans of her stores in the Boston area and in the Mm -hmm. Philadelphia area. And I should say that there are plans for expansion of her brick and mortar stores. So everybody go check them out. Sarah Campbell Limited is a small privately owned company that prides itself on connecting with communities, fundraising for charitable causes and supporting made in USA labor and job creation. It's an awesome company and Sarah just sounds so wonderful and I cannot wait to bring her on. Hi, Sarah, and welcome to Life's Accessories. We're so happy to have you with us today. How are you? I'm good, and it's such a great name. Thank you. The name is because Rachel wrote a book called Life's Accessories. It's a wonderful, well, she'll have to send you a copy. I will send you a copy. I wrote a book (laughs) that came out in 2019. Our listeners are like, yeah, we've heard it. It's called Life's Accessories, and the thesis was sort of that these accessories that we hold on to can tell the story of our life. Fast forward, Stephanie and I met through another work endeavor and Stephanie's like, we have to do a podcast together. So I said to her, I've always wanted to do a podcast where we talk to interesting people and we start off the conversation by talking about an accessory. And here we are. Here we are. I do think that you can start a really great conversation by talking about a meaningful item from your closet. And without further ado, I will ask you, what accessory do you want to talk to us about today? I picked an accessory that we make because I feel like I have the most experience in that. Now, it's not to say it's my most favorite accessory because I do love pearls and you can see (laughs) I love pearls, but I can't make those. So I chose what we call a Ruana, like a little snuggly blankie (laughs) all the time. (laughs) And this is one of the few items we do not make in the USA We make it out of China because that's where the cashmere is or the cotton. We don't have knitting mills 
to any level in the USA anymore. Very sad. We've tried very mm-hmm. hard. When we do find something that maybe can work, it's ridiculously expensive. It's been a wealth of discovery, learning about knitting and yarns and colors. And it's just, especially through COVID, I took up knitting and Ruanas are knit on a loom, but it's the same stitch, knit one, pearl one, you know? So yeah, it's fun to learn. Well, for our listeners, if they haven't seen the picture that we're going to post or aren't sure what we're talking about, it's really, sometimes they're referred to as toppers and you can wear them in different ways. Let me explain, first of all, what a (laughs) a Ruana is. Yeah, that'd be great. Let me just explain the shape. Perfect. So you take a rectangle, like a box. Let's just say the box is approximately, you start with a 72 inch by 20 you fold the 72 into 36 by 20. So that now you have a long rectangle that's 20 inches. So one side is open because you folded it. The other side is on the fold. These are approximate measurements, but the concept is clear. Then about one third of the way through in one side of the Ruana, the side that is folded mm-hmm. on top, you make a hole which is for your head. So then all of a sudden you have a long rectangle, like a wrap that you can put over your head. And I love them for lots of reasons. The way you can drape it over your head covers your arms. They're fantastic for traveling. Mm -hmm. Airplanes, you roll them up in a ball, tight little narrow ball. You can put them in your handbag. It's a great accessory for a evening out. When you're cold, you can throw it on. When you're not cold, you can take it off and push it back in your bag. But there are a lot of ways to wear them. A little map that comes with our Ruanas on, on the ways to wear it. There's like four to six ways. You can wear it as a triangle just over your shoulders. You can wear it backwards. It's great for arm coverage. That's the best thing <laughs> First of all, I did not know that there was going to be math involved in this conversation. <laughs> yeah, I was getting a little nervous when well, we started I... talking numbers, but obviously <laughs> you're a designer, so you have to oh, think I about love that. You deal with numbers all the time. I love my P&L. That's my favorite number. <laughs> so it seems like the Ruana, obviously it's very versatile. It's very beautiful. The colors in cashmere are are just exceptional. Now you can find these Ruanas at all different price points. The thinner it is in cashmere, the less expensive it will be. So you can get Ruanas out there for $125. It could be cashmere. It could be a blend. Um, ours is six gauge. It has Ru- cashmere unless it's Laura Piana. Will pill. Don't freak out. Get a little comb. All that means is the goat hair from cashmere. The longer the goat hair is to just think about your own hair. Like, you know, the longer it is, the longer it takes to grow. So when they have expensive cashmere, that's very long goat hair. When it's more reasonably priced, it's shorter hair because obviously it grows faster and then they shave them and then they do it again. And when it pills, those are the little poppings of the cashmere. So it doesn't mean that it's second rate. It doesn't mean anything other than comb it. I like lots of colors. So I've never owned a lower piano. Yeah, um, those are about twelve hundred dollars. These are two hundred. You know, it's different. And you always seem to have the Ruana as part of your collection. Yeah, um, they're always in the store. Lots of colors. yeah. And I mean, one of the fun things for design is we've done so many different variations on the Ruana. So we just play with ideas like different yeah. ways. And now you're going to ask the difference between poncho and Ruana. 
I kept thinking yes, poncho I, and I was well, thinking about a poncho I had when that, I was a little girl that I loved. They're interchangeable. They really okay. are. Okay. All right. Sometimes the ponchos are bigger and more of a square than a rectangle. Mm-hmm. The best um, part about the Ruana is in my mind that you don't have to keep fussing with it. You know, right. like a wrap, yes. you have to fuss with, or it slides off your shoulders. And yeah. when, when you're going to, you know, I, I, sometimes I don't know where I am. Like, oh, wait, I'm going to Philadelphia, but then I'm going to Florida. So wait, wait, what do I take? That's where these come in really handy. Especially um, with the air conditioning in Florida, right? For sure. Yeah. Always for use sure. it. Yeah. yeah. I feel like we could talk about Rwanda's all day, but I'm curious to know a little bit about your life and your career and all that you've done. And we read how you learned to sew and took sewing lessons at a very young age. And that's how it all started, Sarah Campbell. So can you tell us a little bit about what it was like to figure out what you knew you wanted to do at such a young age? Because I still feel like I'm trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. Well, okay. I agree with you. I say this to my daughters. There's not a straight path to anywhere. It's the word you put into the sentence that makes your, makes the journey. So I never had a clear vision of where I was going ever, ever, ever still do not. I think I have a therapist who's trying to get me to have an exit strategy. I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) I would eat too much, drink too much and shop too much if I didn't work. So there's a purpose (laughs) in my madness. We have a clear identity of who we are inside. I always was, people would identify it as ADD. I'm looking, you know, I'm always like looking, sketching. I'm I'm totally paying attention. And my husband gets so mad at me because you're not listening. I'm like, yes, I am. I'm listening, but I'm also doing this at the same time. I sounds like our house. (laughs) As a child, I'm one of six kids. I had to find my sort of my place in the world of six kids. And I was in the middle and I did get a little sewing machine, it's like Singer, it has a hand wheel, it's in the other room, I have the little box, I can show you guys if you want, it's so cute, I made dog clothes out of it, and my mother at that time had paper patterns, she would make, and my grandmother would make, who knows how and why, at six kids, baby clothes, so I saw those patterns, and by the time, I guess I was second grade, I was taking Singer sewing lessons, and I got the woman, the girl, my my best friend at the time, to come take the lessons with me. And then they had a big singer sewing contest. And if this didn't teach me sportsmanship and humility, she won the sewing contest. <laughs> and next door, when we came home, there was a big, huge sign on our house, which was next door to my house. Congratulations, Lisa. I cried so hard. <laughs> I kept sewing and I spent all my babysitting money on fabric and my allowance, which was, you know, I don't know, whatever it was. I got $5 and I bought fabric. I always bought fabric. When I went to Europe with my family, I got lost in the fabric department. They paged me on the speaker, but it was in French. So I had no idea. No idea. All I could hear was my name, you know, and they found me in the fabric department. It's kind of like the corduroy of that bear who never leaves the department store. I just loved fabric. I loved making my own clothes. I loved making dresses. You guys will remember this, you know, in seventh grade, especially. You have the, like the dance class, the, the cotillion little things on Friday mm-hmm. night, how to dance. And I had a new dress, everyone. I made it and I'd be so proud of it. I could just still remember learning about the PKs and dreaming about a button on it and should it have a white sash with little pico edges, nothing different than what I'm doing now. Exactly <laughs> the same. Now, how do you put that into the sentence of a career? Yeah. I petrified. 
petrified me. I was taught that women need to be able to support themselves. That was just, that was five girls and one boy. That was just the lesson mm-hmm. of the household. Mm-hmm. And so when I went to college, it was design. I was telling someone this yesterday. Was it interior design? But then what if they want an orange room and I have to put my name on it? And <laughs> I didn't want to do that. So I kept sewing. I got into costume design and theater design. And I didn't like that very much. So I went back to, into wearable art. I got very close to my mentor when I came to Boston. Well, let me backtrack. I studied architecture. I studied interior design. I started, I studied textile design. I wanted an undergraduate full realm of design, knowing I would apply myself to one of them. And fashion wasn't it as I entered wearable art contest. These are very juried selective events around the world. I got into these little clothing exhibits and I started making them when I lived in Cambridge. Then we started a women's art gallery, which was mail order with my mentor and my sister. My mentor was Karita Kent and she was a pop artist and she was a nun. She painted the Boston gas tank. She was a junkie for textiles. So together we had a party And she had all these amazing, from, you know, uh, Afghanistan textiles. And and I had been on a folk art tour to Guatemala. And I went to Wales and learned smocking. And all of it kind of came back. I loved Laura Ashley. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, we're done. I mean, we we could write a book on Laura Ashley. Yes. And I went to her museum. was Laura Ashley. This is very funny that then in my adult life, when I started the business, I actually made dresses for Laura Ashley, mother daughter in my early years when I was doing private label when they came to the United States. So that was full circle. My goal was to be able to afford myself and be creative. That was the definition of my success. How, how can I do something creative and be successful? The cottage industry I started was, you know, all on commission. So it didn't sell. You didn't get paid till it sold. And then I didn't have enough money to pay for the wood burning stove smell. Mm-hmm. On Vermont woman stitched it for me. And then I would sublet my apartment, which was rent controlled for a week, which paid the whole month's apartment. I mean, it was way before VRBO and I'd stay at my friend's houses. So it was like, you got to just figure this out. Yeah. I want to say it was hand them out like day by day. Every day was a learning day. My first store was, I'm going to just go sell it, try to sell it to Papagallo on Newberry street. Sure enough, they bought it. Love Papagallo. Oh yeah. yeah. And then I was traveling forth to New York for fabrics with a backpack. And then the woman I met, at the airport said, oh my gosh, you should try to sell to Talbots. They would love your dresses. And I'm like, oh my God, that's so weird. My mother just met somebody on an airplane going to China from, she was a buyer or something at Talbots. Well, fast forward, we are best friends today, still today. This buyer, my original buyer from Talbots, first dress I ever made was a red knit dress for them. And I service them as first it was Sarah Campbell, then it was Sarah Campbell for Talbots, then it became Talbots. 1985 was my first order when I incorporated and 2008 was my last order. So mm-hmm. I produced for them and wholesale, others wholesale stores a very long time, over 30 years. And then I went into retail thinking, well, I'll just sell it myself. 
and not to stores. And here we are, we got through COVID, we've been through an embezzlement, we've been through lawsuits, we've been through, we've seen the light, we've seen the dark. Mm. We have seen it all. And you have how many stores now? We have 23. We're really focused wow. on trying to develop and grow e-commerce. That's it's tricky because I want it to be organic growth. I don't want to mm-hmm. throw mud and see what sticks. How do you figure out your collections for each season? I told you I make them up. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a good plan. I like it. We deliver a collection every 11 months a year. Yeah. Wow. And it's just... It's more January, February now are more driven by the Florida stores, mm-hmm. but we have to have wear now up in the North. It's stinky up here in the North, January, February. It's fantastic in Florida when it's no hurricanes. Um, you just transit, you know, spring, April, May are, are wonderful everywhere. You also follow the fabric market and the trends. I have it all the way laid out now for up through... 2024. I have to do April, May, June, and then I go into fall next mm-hmm. year. A lot of that's dictated by what I get from the fabric market. A lot of the prints we recolor, but you, you want to be somewhat exclusive, but you can't do the volume of a lot of these exclusive fabric vendors. That's a big problem for me. I always try to make it my own by doing something sassy or trim or just a little, I don't want to say tricked it up, but the buttons are a little more expensive. I will tell you that I've watched the pricing go up. My biggest struggle right now is freight. The fabrics prices have gone up in Europe. All of my fabric is imported from Europe, pretty much Italy and Spain and France. Mm. I just love the fabrics. Love the fabrics. You choose the most delicious I, fabrics. I have really a fantastic do. resource person, yeah. Maida, here with me. She's got a great eye, too. We love brocades. And I like, Maida, why do you bring them to me when they're $35 a yard? Don't do that to me. Do you know it's funny? I have that same problem. And when mm-hmm. I'm in a store and the fabric that I'm drawn to, whether it's for a couch or a dress, I know before I look at the price tag that it's always the most mm-hmm. expensive one. And mm-hmm. somehow I have that taste. I know what a good fabric is. So it's a blessing and a curse. It yep. is. And you know, yeah. nine out of 10 times you're paying for something different. You know, and that's what our that's why our well, dresses are are so much. They're like little individual some, some individual children someone say do you remember this dress and I'm like of course I remember that dress I remember every single dress I've ever made I, I think that's why I have a good memory the problem is I've been looking at it for six months way before you've seen it you definitely <laughs> right. remember it right it shows in your products and mm-hmm. we're going to link to your social media and to your website but if I could shift gears for a minute and just ask sure. you a little bit about philanthropy which I know is a big part of your business and your company is described as being synonymous with philanthropy oh well we've so, tried Can you tell us about that and which charities are most important to you? How did philanthropy become such a big part of Sarah Campbell? My grandmother, I grew up Catholic and she loved St. Jude. She loved the Sacred Heart. I'd go to mass every day when I was, you know, for Lent. I did all that stuff, say the rosary. But when I started the business and it was like such a women of prayer, wing in a prayer. And I read a lot about, um, it was Rockefeller tithed. I think through his business. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to do that. And I started and I'm, when I'm telling you, here's a dollar out of my $10. I mean, it was, and how did I decide where to go to? Well, my dad was a cancer doctor and St. Jude's hospital. He was a radio oncologist. I grew up in a medical household and it was always about 
women, children, cancer, and domestic violence, all feeding into, we weren't a family of, of bequeathing museums with money, you know, and I said to somebody that my girlfriend, we went to a very wonderful fundraiser for caddies for golf education fund. I'm like, you know, this is the stuff I love because the museum of fine arts doesn't need my money. They just, they don't. Mm -hmm. And yet Rosie's place Oh my God, every dollar counts like a, you know, cradles and crayons. I mean, today's operation showers for the medical, I mean, for the military wives and who are pregnant and the military women who are pregnant. There are so many little tiny causes that need local support. I have done it my whole life. I just think that we have a responsibility there, but the grace of God, you know, how, how do I know when I'm I mean, starting a small business and being single? I could be, that could be me walking the streets of, of, you know, Melina Cass. It's anything's possible. And if I don't take care of them, who's going to take care of me? And how do I know what's going to happen to me? I mean, I have been so close to shutting down this business three different times. You know, it's, so if, if that happens, my children aren't dying, my, you know, everything, you have to put things in perspective also. Mm-hmm. And I've learned that the very, maybe the easiest way or the hardest way by when we did have an embezzlement, my husband and I had nothing. I mean, we, all of our resources were in the company and then they were gone. It's like, we were going to be in a little rubber raft together, the four of us, and we'll be okay. I mean, we'll figure it out. So you have to have those like lines in the sand. For me, I think that, you know, you work your heart out, something can happen either if your gut is in it. And I had a really lucky propensity to never give up. Mm-hmm. That is what, you know, I wanted to scribe it in my hand. And I did a lot for women in cancer, but you know, when you're fighting the fight for cancer, you can't give up. You're fighting the war. You know, I'm happen to be a gun phobic person. I fought this war since I was, my kids were in pre-K. I'd always ask the parents if they had a gun because I was held up at gunpoint when Mm -hmm. I was pregnant. So, you know, different life lessons teach you different passions. What I worry about is that my life is becoming shorter and I'd still love to go to DC and be a lobbyist. There's so Mm -hmm. many things I want to do, but yet I still want to work. And my favorite part is going into the sample shop and seeing the creation come out from under the sewing machine. And that's what I get to do every day. Sometimes you just walk around and you're just like, is this the cutest thing you've ever seen? Your <laughs> face lit up so much when you said that just now. Oh, about well, it's the shop. joy. Having a purpose, you know, like being able to help these causes or these people or education funds, because I don't have education debt. My children don't have debt. That was a big gift for me growing up. Mm-hmm. And what about the kids that do? I want to help them. And it's not their fault. We're all not equal. You know, you like to think we're equal, but we don't all have the same equal stripes in life. So as a business person, and I say this to all my managers, our mission is to serve each other, our customers, and our community. That's your job. And it doesn't matter if you don't make any money at an event you have, but if you brought in awareness for we're doing an event right now or coming up where you take kitchen utensils and things um gosh I forgot the name of it but coming home I think it is and 
Just bring used extra dishes, extra towels, extra stuff. Just bring that. Get your customers, call them up and have them bring it. And let's get a big pile going. That's how they connect and make relationships with their customers mm-hmm. and relationships. That's what I was so worried about with e-commerce. I can't, I just drag my feet. I want to be able to touch the fabric and I want to get to know my customers. Well, if you watch my Instagrams, it's like <laughs> how I get to know you now. And I do answer, I would say 99.5% of any email that goes to info that is concerning an issue, a problem, a question, a you know, not all things I can answer. I'd like to say thank you to the person who took time to write me a note because they cared because I have to do reciprocate. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what this business is about is reciprocation. And that's what makes it fun. Definitely. So I, I want to bring it back to the Rwanda, but to ask you a different question. So the Rwanda is this wonderful staple, right? That can just mm-hmm. elevate an outfit, change it, etc. What other staple do you think should be in a woman's closet? Staple as far as clothing or staple as far as accessory? Let's do both. <laughs> um, white shirt, black pants, basic. You can't have too many white shirts. Stephanie and I are both wearing oh, white no, shirts. Like, yeah. really I mean, they're just classic. They're and classic. Black, that's actually. Yes, I'm yeah. wearing black pants too. You can travel with them. You can throw on any color of Rwanda and have a whole new outfit. You can go to Europe and you can buy jackets and coats and all these things to go with your white shirt and your black pants. I mean, that's like a, a staple. I said it earlier. I mean, I'm a gold bangle, pearl earrings and pearls. I mean, love it. I love, I love, 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 you know, fun jewelry that's just wild, you know, like, but, but that's for an afternoon in the summer, you know, the real, you know, trying to be the uh, ageless classy woman, I guess. And of course, you have to have your favorite dresses. You have to, because dresses are, you just pop them on and you're done Mm -hmm. for the day. (laughs) Well, Sarah, you just answered my question. I'm hosting this big event later this weekend. I'm trying to figure out what jewelry to wear and I'm busting out those pearl earrings and those gold bangles. And I I will think of you all day long. Wrong. I mean, I love layering. We've just really loved talking to you, by the way, we could ask you more questions all day. day. (laughs) Uh, We're going to ask you some questions offline, but can you tell our listeners where they can find you in that wonderful world of e-commerce and Instagram, except it became really exciting to me once we got on it, which was during COVID, which we did not have a choice. And I would walk around with Instagram and who knew I didn't know how to Instagram. <laughs> oh, so e-com we are actually in the throes of sh- moving our platform. My daughter, Lucy and my team with Courtney, they are moving us over to a new platform shortly, which will be even better. Very excited new designs and things, but it's www. Sarah Campbell, no H, no H, no H, no H. <laughs> you know, when you, when I get a resume and like, dear Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, I'm like, nope. we just had this conversation with Stacey Madison, right? Yep. <laughs> right? Yeah. I yeah, mean, it's just did. like, can we you did. get the name right? Check the spelling. It's not that difficult. It's not, no, no, you can't it's really that. not. Yeah. yeah. So um, e-commerce, Instagram, I don't know how all those work. I know I did one this morning and then I have a, this the most remarkable, tiny, tiny marketing team and they keep us fresh. We have lots of fun playing with ideas sometimes. I mean, I don't like to be 
I like to have off the beaten path kinds of ideas, but um, I you I do have fun with it. You definitely we think your do. Instagram is yeah, awesome. We like we it a lot. We love yeah, it. We do. I love hiding in the clothes racks. Like, please yeah. get rid of these clothes. <laughs> I can't take it. <laughs> but you do. You get like I, I cleaned out the library, and they all went to Wellesley for that sidewalk sale. And like, I had four racks of samples. I don't know what I have anymore, but you remember, we make them all day. We keep making them. Sarah, we could spend all afternoon with you. It's just such a delight to spend time with you. Um, Finally, we got to do it. I know, yay. But um, you are a delight as are all of your designs. And thank you so much for joining. I would love you guys to come visit me and we can have candy and wine. I will. Coffee or. That'd be great. Sign us up for that. We would love that. My office is in right, as I mentioned, right off of Melania Cass uh, by Boston Medical in the city with parking, which is fantastic. (laughs) Um, which is rare, very rare, but my stores, you can locate the stores and I do visit the stores, you know, as much as I can, probably more often Wellesley because of the proximity, but, um, yeah, we're, we're good. And we love to hear from our customers. We really do. We want to talk offline about maybe doing a life accessories event at one of your stores. I think that'd be really fun. This was years ago. I was in your Wellesley store. You were there. Oh gosh. I knew who you were, but I obviously, I was like, I can't go talk to us. Sarah, oh, I do. <laughs> I should have. Thanks again for being oh, with us just so today. Thank you, Sarah. It was and, fun. And keep me posted. We will. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for to our listeners me. for tuning in. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And if All our right. listeners see Sarah in one of her stores, definitely say hi. She likes to say hi. I do. <laughs>